No, I, honestly, I don't hear a difference. I don't hear like a sim- similarity in there. Like, just two very different songs. Look, I I I miss Will Smith when he used to write the theme tune and sing the theme tune. <laughs> Fucking like back when oh, he was Dennis Waterman. Yeah, like at the height of his powers. Ah. Oh. Hello and welcome to the Omcast. In addition to the ground we watch, we also see other films at the cinema as they come out. Today, we watch the Men in Black reboot, Men in Black International, starring Chris Hensworth and Tessa Thompson. We're also going to talk about the original Men in Black trilogy starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Josh Brolin. And Josh Brolin. For the, yeah, because Tommy Lee got old. Tommy Lee gave up. I yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he just he didn't want to make a fool of himself like he did in the last one and also between Men in Black two and Men in Black three there was ten years yeah it was a ten year gap of them trying to yeah reboot it it's an interesting choice I mean that's when they should have rebooted it in theory anyway first first things first M- the Men in Blacks the Mibs yeah. the Mibs do we want to talk about the original trilogy I think first? we should talk about the original trilogy first. And then go on to Mibby. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, we both watched them all this week. One, banger. One is a great film. I, yeah, I forgot how much fun it was. And it's like, and this is something I've said to you off air, is like, it's so, they don't make films like that in terms of screenwriting. And it's it's so tight. Yeah. It's, it's like 90 minutes long. And every little thing is just a setup. Mm-hmm. And then a payoff later on, and a set up, and a payoff later on, and it like it's every single beat in it, it. Like it doesn't waste a second of that runtime, no. and it's brilliant. It's, it's really, 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 really good. good. That's the thing. Like, I, I was, I always looked back on it fairly fondly, but I looked back on it assuming it was nostalgia that was propping it up for me. Seeing it this week has made me go, you know what? Actually, that's a fucking solid film. It still holds up. Like yeah. some of the visual effects are a bit lumpy. Yeah, but. Everything else in it is great. Yeah, and like even the visual effects, because a lot of it, and this is true of like the original trilogy anyway, for a certain amount, they did a lot of actual um, practical. practical effects. Yeah, and you can tell. You can tell, yeah. And that's something they've lost as they've gone on. But like in the first one in particular, a lot of it was like they had a, a designer go and say, "Right, make some aliens, mm-hmm. do whatever you want with it," and then and so it was just prosthetics and. Like you know, animatronics and all that kind of thing, and they mm. did use CGI. I think at one point they they sw- switched out the f- in the final fight. They changed it from being an animatronic to a CGI bug at the end. Yeah, um, because they really, I think they just they, it wasn't good. They, it didn't look good enough for them, so they decided yeah. to go CGI. And it was like it cost them a shitload of money, mm-hmm. but it was worth it. Well, yeah, I mean it's Rick Baker. Yeah, that's it. That's the guy. And Rick Baker is legendary yeah so one of the things about rick baker as well is um slight side note already is um they often do auctions rick baker prop house often do auctions so if you are rich firstly give us money Mm -hmm. um secondly go and buy some of their stuff because it's brilliant it's all actual things but um but yeah like the effects in it are brilliant yeah they're really really good and there's stuff like the infamous sort of squid baby scene yeah. is both like it is there's an actor in that in the baby yeah and it's played is Vern Troyer it's mini me is it <laughs> yeah and it's like it's it's great or or he's making the noise and the rest of it's animatronic and then there's this and there's this and then it's really good and like you say the screenwriting is tight the script is really good Everyone's having, everyone's really in for it. Everyone's yeah. bought in to Men in Black. Yeah, it's, it's Will Smith at the absolute height of his powers. And, and watching these this week is, it really makes me miss Will Smith mm-hmm. as a leading man, as a footlight like, in an action comedy Will Smith leading man. Like they don't, yeah. he doesn't, I miss him. I want him back. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, where he can make, a, make fun of himself a bit. Yeah. And you know, he's not the most, he's not the most important guy on the screen at all times. He's not like yeah, he's there, but he's there as our point of view character, and we're experiencing all this amazing stuff yeah. through his eyes. And the fact that it's like yeah, it's a two hander, and he sort of, and he knows, and like he's back and forth with Tommy Lee Jones, yeah, particularly in that first movie, he knows he's like you say now 
it would have to be all about him and it's his story yeah. and it's like and it would be like an I am legend type thing. That's when he sort of tipped over into like the ego took over, I think, for Will Smith, didn't it? And that was sort yeah. of led to his downfall. Um but back then it was just but and even you saw glimpses of it when he came back for Men in Black Three, even though it was twenty twelve. Yeah. He was still he you had that it was like that little shining little glimpse that old Will Smith was back. Yeah. It was like, oh bring him back. <laughs> yeah, and and that's part of what I would say is like he's playing off against Josh Brolin, mm. who's playing Tommy Lee Jones, who's playing Agent J uh K. J. K. K. <laughs> um, that's the only time I make that joke. It was too easy, and I apologise. Um, but yeah, and it's there are still points where he's the full guy for the joke in yeah. there, and you're like, that's great. The issue where they didn't have that was in two. Yeah. So whereas we are full of praise for one, two is just hogwash. Two was the first. I remember seeing two at the cinema as a kid, and I, well, I say a kid, I don't know what would I have been like. 40 uh no was it 2002 so i would have been 11 okay um so yeah kid yeah but i remember it being one of the first times seeing a film in the cinema and realizing how that films could be bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) like not everything is great and i was like this is rubbish and it was just like really crap cgi and like and everything it was like proper sequelizers and everything was excess everything was bigger and like and more over the top and like they had like the little worm guys they were all there and they all had guns and like bigger guns and like one of them was wearing a beret and like, one of them's got goggles on well, and, one, and like and they're the, all having a fag and like oh they you remember the car the rocket car from the first one this time's an even bigger rocket car and um, it's going to be controlled by a playstation remote really okay yeah fine and like now he's going to fight a guy and it turns out he's just a floating head on on her body on her way he's got lots of little mini me versions of it. everything's like adding and more and more and more and yeah. more and it was just rubbish yeah. and, it's just like just and that's the shite. thing it's it's one of those moments where they've gone who who whoever did too has gone well men in black was dumb and stupid let's make something dumb and stupid and it just it feels so of the time yeah. which makes it feel really really dated yeah to that like the, it's got johnny knoxville in it do you know what I was reading about some of the, like the alternative casting? Yeah. Do you know at one point it was I think it was it was Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And Keanu Reeves. That was it. So Robert Downey Jr. and Keanu Reeves both auditioned for the Johnny Knoxville part. Really. And they lost out to Johnny Knoxville. Good. Because it was two thousand and two, and that's what was happening. Well, good. But can, but can you imagine, there was a time. Just, let's just take a second to, to remember. Let's there put was a 2019 time, lens on this. There was a time in Hollywood where Robert Downey Jr. would go and audition to, for something and would lose the part to Johnny Knoxville. That was a thing. That was a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And, and now, so we're in 2019, where it's peak. Keanu was the internet's boyfriend, and as Keanu well. just and yeah, Keanu Reeves as well. Keanu Reeves like is apparently like out of over, over the last seven days has suddenly become the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind. I don't know why that's happened. It's a weird internet culture thing. But anyway. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I think it's become exceptionally more hyped since he's now going to be in Toy Story and has done John Wick 3 and is going to be in Cyberpunk and there's this and but like, this. We already knew like John Wick 3 came out and there wasn't all this hype around him and we knew he was going to be in Toy Story. He was in the trailer. Well, the thing there is... It's... It was suddenly this the fact that he came on stage in E3... Yeah, and suddenly everyone just lost their shit. I just don't. I, anyway, that's a complete tangent. Yeah. Let's not let's not get anyway. into that. We haven't even talked about international yet. We no. haven't, yeah, right. So saying about two again, really dated, really boring. Mm. It's got Rosario Dawson. I know. Wasted. Yeah. It's got a plot that I just didn't give a shit about. Was that what was the name? Oh, you got to get the light of Zergerbla. I think to be fair, they they all. Um, I think all the men of that films suffer from um, MacGuffinitis. Yeah, I think they're the, all the about problem... every single one of them is about some sort of alien artifact, or alien thing that everyone's after. Yeah, and they just they have that's the formula, and they stick to it no matter. Which what. is what I think. One of the reasons that I think three is as, is as successful as it is. Yeah. So, 
uh, or, or is, is as successful as a film. Not necessarily box office or anything like that, but I think the reason it's so much better is because 2 just went MacGuffin, Alien, Gun, Car, Film? Yeah. And 3 took that and went, Tommy Lee Jones really didn't want to be in this. He didn't want to be in 2. That's very obvious. Yeah, well, they gave him probably three or four days shooting for Men in Black Three. Yeah, most of it involved sitting down. Yeah, so I'm sure he had a great time with it. But in two, he didn't want to be there. Rosario Dawson didn't look like she really wanted to be there. She was just running around being a bit surprised about everything. Will Smith went in for it a bit because he was Will Smithing it throughout that whole thing. All about Patrick Warburton. I literally, I started making notes when I was watching it, and I was like, you know what? I've got three of these to do. I'm not making notes. No, you don't need to make notes about it. And my second note is Patrick Warburton's in this. Like, it starts off with the giant fucking um, slug monster thing living in the subway. And that's when you know it's just, it's jumped the shark immediately. It's just, it's come from naught to zero. Because, like, in the first one, again, like, the most, like, out there they got was the bug at the end. And that was, like, a contained thing and it wasn't even it was like what seven foot tall maybe like yeah something like that feet, and then like, and that was like the as big and over the top as he got and then immediately in the first like opening scene of the, the second one it's like no 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 there's like a fucking 70 foot giant alien like slug that lives in the sewers and like and will smith's gonna ride it and he's will gonna, smith's ride... gonna ride it with appalling cg it's gonna eat a train and then he's gonna get all sassy with the people on the train and like that, there are parts that's in the that. Where everybody gets sassy in... with people is great. Yeah, and um, that's Will Smith at his best. Yeah. Like the same thing that he does in Hitch, the same thing that he does in Bad Boys, yeah. the same things that he does in any of these other things. And that's not to say that he's not a great dramatic actor in places as he well. Is. No, he has been, yeah. But Will Smith just throwing it down with people is brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love all those those bits where he's like he does the neuralizer and then gives someone yeah like the, their information. But they're also like the little lines that he has that are improved that you read about. So like when he like the, one of his first lines in the whole series when he's in the middle of the um, chase at the very beginning of Men in Black One. Yeah, and he jumps, he falls onto the bus, and he just goes, uh, "It'd just be raining black people in New York." And it's like yeah. that was improved. That yeah. wasn't in the script. And then the other one that the one the, one of the only saving the like, little highlights of. Um, Men in Black 2 is that bit where it's um, <laughs> they have the car pull up and it has the dummy driver in it. Oh yeah, that then gets sucked into the into the um, steering wheel and they go, oh, what does that come standard? No, it came with the black guy, but he kept getting pulled over. Yeah, it's a great line. Like yeah. again, not in the script. Will Smith just improv that. I'm like, what? The best line shouldn't just come from the actor. The best line of the movie should be something you wrote and it's been there for a long time. Yeah, like. and that's the thing. Sometimes these improv lines are brilliant. Yeah. Sometimes a director will let it roll. Like Parks and Rec is a good example of it. Uh, the US Office is a great example yeah. of it, of how improv comedy can really, really, really It says here you might have connection errors. <laughs> exactly. And like even, the, even one of the writers was like, this is... Yeah one of the best jokes that's ever been like, in this show. I could never write And it was just smart, made yeah. up on the spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, but then saying about two, like there are parts of two that are really interesting because mm. we're at a stage now where Jay has been doing this for how many years at this point? Something like three or four years, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it's meant to be in real time, isn't it? So it's what, 2002 and the first one came out in 97. Okay. So I think so, yeah, yeah, it's five years. years. It's five years in. He keeps losing partners because they're just they're not up to scratch as far as he's concerned, and he's trying to fill the hole that Kate left, yeah. kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so and he's, he's lonely. Yeah, and he keeps saying about how lonely he is, and he's not got that connection. And then when you see him do other things, it's just him on his own, just walking back into the MIB headquarters and being like, "Oh, he's got rid of another partner because nobody's going to live up to that standard." But then they just move past it, and then they mm. get to the end of the film, and spoilers for all of these, when she gets whisked off into space to do the space yeah. queen protector thing, which is yeah, well, largely I think irrelevant. That's the thing. They Apparently, the, the ending of Men in Black 2 changed significantly, and there were a lot of rewrites, and the part of the reason why it's so short 
because it's only it's just cuts in just under an hour and a half, mm. and it actually was so short that they had to put on like a little um, animated short in cinemas and do loads of trailers really? to justify it getting a you know a long enough release. And part of the reason for that was that the original ending had um, the twin towers opening up and a load of and a swarm of um, UFOs taking off from them. Okay, so. Don't know how that factored into the plot or anything, but it would have been some sort of action sequence or something different would have happened at the end. And they obviously, because it came out in 2002, yeah. right after 9-11, they changed all of that. So I think part of the reason why the ending is a bit truncated and sort of mm-hmm. sudden is because it was a result of reshoots and stuff. Yeah. And the- that was back in 2002 when, when a movie went for reshoots. There wasn't just f- fucking shit all over the internet about it every five minutes and everyone kicking off. It's like, oh my god, they've gone out for reshoots. It must be doomed. Like, oh, it's going to affect the box office. We didn't know. We just waited until a film came out and watched it and then judged it after once it came out. Not before it came out, after it came out. We went to see it. <laughs> Sorry. I... Not in my day. Back in my back in the old days. Back in the back in the day when I was eleven, you wouldn't even know there was a new one coming out unless you saw the trailer in front of a film <laughs> that you were already going to see because there was no other way of watching trailers. Anyway. Fuck. You could. You had to go on to apple.com forward slash trailers. What, in 2001? Yeah. Fuck me. Right, okay. I was... Yeah, but only if no one else was using the phone at the time. Let me just think. Yeah, 2001. Yep, I remember that. It's not an... Oh yeah. shut up, because I'm not telling you how old I was. It's not enough that there's like that we've got an alien observer looking after Jay in the post office. No, no, no. Everyone in the post office is a fucking alien. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And Will Smith communicates them with beatbox. Oh, and remember that dog from the first one? You remember how he had like a one little scene and gave a load of exposition and then moved on? He was an exposition pug, which is great. Every movie should have an exposition Ex-pug-ition. pug. Exposition. Exactly. But in this one, we're going to really overdo it. He's going to be sat in the car. He's going to be singing Who Let the Dogs Out. He's going to have be, a little suit He's going to wear a little suit. Although I bet you loved that, didn't you? When he put the little suit on. <laughs> you're, like, well, you're why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about it. I genuinely thought about making a little suit for this little guy. He has a little dog on his desk. It's a tape measure. Is that and, what it is? And it's a pug. Okay, all right. I'll give you that. Um... <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's two isn't good. No. So and but they're moving into three. Yeah, time travel. You hate time travel. I fucking hate time travel films. But I was like, okay, because it was just. Uh, do you know when I had a problem with the time travel bit of this? What was at the end? So what, the, the plot the... of this is that basically a. Uh, uh, a mean alien played by Jermaine Clement breaks out of prison on the moon, comes to Earth to try and kill Kay, can't kill Kay, so goes back in time to kill him. I think when well, no, that his plan is always to go back in time to kill him because he could have killed Kay. Well, he sto- he's go goes back in time to kill Kay. Yeah, to stop his arm getting shot, shot off and be put in prison for four years. Four years. So <clears throat> he he does that. Uh, so there is like this whole time situation. They're like, oh, there's only two of these things for time travel. And you're like, okay. And then they're like, oh, you can only, it's only limited use and you, it's, there's only two and you can do this. So they do it and then they travel through time. And then at the end of the film, there was a point where, Oh, sorry, to, sorry to continue the plot. They go, they go back in time. They meet Josh Brolin, who plays a young version of Kay, Tommy Lee Jones, and then hilarity ensues. They do a plot, and then they save the day. But the bit at the end where he's like, "Oh, I'm going to run off and do this, and then go back in time." Yeah, it's like I was just like, "Oh, that's a bit silly." And the do you know what I genuinely thought when I was watching this? Because it's the first time that I've seen Men in Black 3. I thought the reason why... What they were going to explain was the reason why 
Tommy Lee Jones's K was so distant from Jay throughout the whole situation, through everything since day one. The reason that he knew where he was going to be at that time, the reason that he was so insistent that he come on over above these other guys that are so much more highly qualified, was because he remembers him from that time in the 60s, 70s, whichever it was. Yeah. And the reason that he's so affected by it is because Jay sacrifices himself to save Kay, knowing that he would be born in the future. But they didn't do that. No. They killed off Jay's dad, played by Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, who was less swole. But, less swole. But yeah, so I thought they could... They, 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 and don't get me wrong, I think what was in my head would have probably... I, I would have liked it, what I thought was going to happen a little bit more. Yeah. Because it would have added a little bit more gravitas. It would have, but then they could have... The, the movie would have... No matter how you twist it, it would have ended with the, with Will Smith dying. Yeah, but then they would never Will do. Smith would have died, but and the the reason that he... Because I thought... Initially, I thought those time travel things were like one-off things. and done. And yeah. then it was going to be like, oh, that's done, and then now we move on to this. But it wasn't, and I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. I mean, it's a good film. Yeah, I had fun with it. It's well, it's not good, good film. It's it's good fun. Fine, yeah, it's, it's fine. Good. Josh Brolin is brilliant. Will Smith great in it because they, they again they've taken it back. Yeah, and they do, and they've got they got a couple of like good sort of sci-fi premises in there. Like I quite like the um, what's the name? The character, the Griffin. Yeah, the character who can perceive like every possible eventuality happening at the same time. Yeah, like that's quite clever. That was yeah. quite well done. And like, and the, the, he talks about all the 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 cosmic flukes that need to happen for certain things to happen. Yeah. Like, and it was all about that baseball game, wasn't it? Remember, it was the the year the the Mets won it all yeah, in sixty nine. Was yeah, and it was like yeah, all these things had to happen in exactly the right way for this to happen. And it's like yeah. I like all that idea. It's quite it's sort of a existential sort of sci-fi yeah. idea which is a good thing to play around with in this kind of franchise um, yeah I mean just the ending is the ending like obviously Will Smith, apparently Will Smith fell out with the director because he wanted Jaden to play the young version of Jay okay and the director was like no this isn't going to be another vehicle for one of your kids mm-hmm. so he wouldn't let him do that um, and the other bit of casting thing that I read about as well and this is going to upset you mm-hmm so they have this whole thing with O. So they introduce O in this movie, yeah. who is um, Emma, Emma Th- Thompson Emma Thompson in the future. and she Who hasn't aged between Men in Black 3 and Men in Black International. Which, weirdly. But she takes over as being the head of Men in Black from Zed, who was Rip Torn yeah. in the first two movies. He was great. And as the guys, I was like, did Rip Torn actually die in real life? He didn't. No. He's fine. So I don't know why they felt the need to write him out. But anyway. He was having a rough time was around he? that period. Okay. Um, so yeah, she's the new head of the Men in Black, mm-hmm. sort of a bit like yeah, very much like an M from James Bond type. And then they go back in time, and there's a younger version of her, and the younger version of her is played by Alice Eve. Yeah, but originally it was meant to be Gemma Arterton, was it? And she couldn't do it because of scheduling conflicts. Oh. so they they did Alice Eve instead. That film's fucking stupid, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so now we've established that Men in Black 3 is shit yeah it's dog shit yeah it's Jermaine bad, Clement it's uh, look let's oh, actually, agree- actually it's got Jermaine Clement in it yeah so. let's agree to disagree don't need to it's got Jermaine Clement in it yeah and um, Bill Hader is Andy Warhol yeah. who's a member of the Men in Black <laughs> undercover that was good so you know, it took, I was an agent for three years before I realised that all models were aliens found out the hard way <laughs> but like little lines like that are great <laughs> yeah and that's the thing all the little world building bits yeah so three takes familiar circumstances puts it in a new presents it in a new way to make a successful sequel mm. which two didn't no two was just yeah excess over the top silliness yeah trying to is a cash grab it's like the a quintessential cash grab sequel that like just doesn't consider anything. Yeah, they just, it's made by studio, made by committee, and they just threw everything at the walls. And yeah, um, but yeah, three did better. Yeah, exactly. But three didn't do well enough to justify them continuing 
with that franchise in, in no. that current form. If three had done really well, like box office wise and critically and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. they could have made a four with Will Smith. Yeah. Potentially. Um, cause something they never, yeah, they never really got did was the whole Will Smith being the mentor and then having a young protege that, that would have been the natural stepping yeah. point for it to be. And they, they hinted at that right at the very end of men in black one with L. Yeah. L. Yeah. So the, uh, Linda, what's her name? Cardellini. Cardellini was in that movie. Um, and at the end of the movie, Will take Will Smith's character, Jay takes her on as a recruit, which seems a bit premature given that this is like his first week on the job. But anyway, the whole idea is that, yeah, it's that cyclical thing. And it's like that, that's why that first movie works so well on its own. Yeah. But then she never comes back. No, they give it a throwaway line in two. Yeah. Apparently, part of the reason, like, apparently she has a bit of a reputation for being really difficult to work with. Really? And apparently, there's, there's a rumour, but apparently Tommy Lee Jones only agreed to come back for two if she didn't. <laughs> okay. Now, that's just complete conjecture and rumour, but I saw it in a couple of different sources. Yeah. Because I did sort of go, why didn't she come back? What was the reason for that? But it was around the same time there was a lot of... um sort of press around her being really difficult on dogma as well with really? Kevin Smith. Okay. Kevin Smith has been very open about it. Yeah. But saying that how everyone sort of worked really well together on that film, but she was really difficult and one of the most difficult experiences of working with an actor that really? I had ever. And then that was also that then is backed up by stories from Men in Black as well. And it's like there must be some truth to it. Yeah. There must be something going on. Um but yeah that's just an interesting sort of nugget. Um, but is it? I would have liked to have seen them do that. I would have liked to have seen a Men in Black four with maybe <clears throat> no more Tommy Lee Jones. Much to be all love him, no more K. I think it was a good ending for him to have what they yeah. had happen in three, and then go right now. Jay is the senior officer who's been doing this for ten years, and he has to recruit someone new. Yep. Um, but they didn't do that. Instead, what we got was Men in Black International. Yeah. Which we just got back from. Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, honestly, let's do a bit of a plot thing first. <laughs> there isn't a fucking plot. So the plot of... It's the same plot as the last four movies. So it's, there's a thing. Men in Black International. <laughs> Tess Thompson is a normal person who is... She's not a fucking normal person. Is everyone's a normal person? She's a normal person that no one talks like that. That wants to be in Men in Black after an experience that she had as a child when her parents were neuralised and she wasn't. But some fucking sloppy ass Men in Black agents. Yeah, uh, we got a daughter. She's upstairs. She's asleep. Is she? Yeah. That's You're going to look up at that window where the child is sticking her head out the window. No. Nope. Good enough for me. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's Are like... you going to catch the alien that's loose? No. 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 It's going to turn not... into a big monster when it's an adult. Okay. You're going to go after it. Nah, fuck it. We, we know it. We know it's parked at an angle on the street, so you know we're not hanging around. We're literally just going to come here, flash you, and then fuck off and gone. And then presumably that thing's going to end up at someone else's house. Mm. And we'll have to do all Who knows this again. what sort of radiation that thing's given off? Oh, God. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so, Space yeah. parasites. But basically, she is the. Um, She's sort of in the unique scenario where she they say about, oh, no, we we only recruit at Men in Black. We don't do this. And she's like, well, I found you guys. She's the one that's gone to the effort to find them. And then she gets brought on board, and her first mission is to go to London and do a mission which involves an alien and something fishy going on. And then they resolve it. She meets up with her... Her mentor is Chris Hemsworth, the character is H. Yep. And Liam Neeson's in this as a character called T or High T, which I presume is just for the pun. I, I guess that's some sort of reference to England. High T, because everyone drinks for, tea. Going for high tea with the Queen is a thing, isn't it? I don't oh, know. Fuck knows. Anyway. But anyway, <laughs> um, bottom line, this film was meh. Gibberish. It Yeah. The I thing, mean, like, I, it I, was... It's like it's almost exactly what you said when you were saying about two. It's a film that's made by committee. No one really cares about. They just threw money at it and puts big stars in. Yeah, Kamal Nanjani's in this film, right? Oh god, he's so Kamal Nanjani plays a alien, a very small alien, so fucking irritating. 
who is a really annoying, b utterly pointless, and c just inconsequential. Like what annoyed me with that character in particular is that when they were starting to dig at something good, he would undermine it yeah. by being in the same scene. Like just when they were starting to build, like because I feel the first like two-thirds of the movie just annoyed me beyond like it was just crap it was just like loads of cg it was really unfocused it was like although tessa thompson was the point of view character it starts off with the thing with chris hemsworth yeah and then cuts between them and i don't know who i'm meant to be following like i don't know what the drive of the plot is like it doesn't really settle into itself until like two-thirds of the way through it by that point, it's it's all fallen by the wayside. There is no emotional buy-in for no. any of these characters until they. I think they finally start to grasp a bit of like actual character between the two of them in that scene in the desert. They well, that's again, but like you say, that that they're starting to have. There's a scene where they crash land in the desert, and again, this is full spoilers. But the scene where they crash land in the desert started out a bit funny. And then just got to a point where you're like, I don't fucking care. No. As much as you can try and be emotional about something, I really don't care. No. Both of you are entirely just fucking empty people. Yeah. And both of those actors deserve so much more. Tessa Thompson is criminally, criminally underused in this yeah. film. And they just, I don't know what the fuck they were doing with her. Like, at the beginning, her character was just, she was, I don't get it. She was just like really like, and I feel like every line they wrote for her was like trying to be a cool line for the trailer, mm. cool line for the trailer, cool line for the trailer. And it's like, yeah, but people don't talk like that. You can't just string a load of those lines together and then have that be a character. That's mm-hmm. not a character. That's just a quip. Like a, it's a meme. And the same thing with Chris Hemsworth's character. He was just cool and said cool things and did cool things, yeah. but he didn't have a character. He was no. just Chris Hemsworth being cool. And then eventually it like towards the, back end of the movie they start to find a little bit just a little bit the bit a couple the, of you know the bit that got me in that the point where i started to think i'm emotionally buying into this is the fight almost the final scene when they're going up the elevator to the, yeah. the top of the eiffel tower that line there and i was like oh shit like he's gonna change here yeah and then the little alien pops its head up and makes a dumb joke yeah, it undermines it every single time. And so then like when they're in the you desert. just go, oh, no, well, okay, I don't take this seriously anymore because nobody making this film is trying to have an emotional moment. Yeah. Well, My thing, funniest like... moment in this entire film, the thing that made me laugh the most, was when Tessa Thompson got in the wrong side of the car. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I, I laughed at that as well. That was a I laughed at that. That's the funniest thing in this film for yeah. me, which is disappointing. It's a shame because those two are great together. And when they get, every now and then they get a couple of opportunities to bring that chemistry mm. but then almost every single time it's undermined with that fucking little annoying alien <laughs> and yeah when they're doing it that like i say, that bit in the desert for me was like that turning point and it was like when they were talking he was like talking about how because i was they kept going on about oh no something's wrong with him he's changed yeah i expect that to be something that oh he's been taken over by some sort of alien parasite or whatever. yeah but it was actually what they actually ended up getting to was no it's because he had a really bad breakup and and they did it does change you and it's like Okay, that's surprisingly sort of character driven. I was yeah. I was not expecting that. And then they have that conversation in the desert. He goes, "Oh, you don't understand because you've never been in love." I don't mean that in a me. And he goes, "No, no, no. I don't mean that in a nasty way. I just mean genuinely. You don't understand what I'm talking at about mm-hmm. because of that." And it's like, "Oh, okay. Hang on a minute. They're just, they're doing something here." I'm like, "Why is it taking a fucking hour and a half into this two hour movie for something like that to be said?" Yep. And then also, why during that conversation is this fucking irritating little lady keep interjecting? It's so annoying. Why is the crazy frog in this film? Yeah. And then they go, and like the bit with Tessa, um, what's her name? Um, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. He's really good. Like she gets some good lines and she gets to be a villain for a little bit. And like has, for about 25 seconds. She's barely, she's not, like, why was she not the villain throughout the whole thing? Like, because the hive. Are the villains throughout the whole thing, and the hive are not don't the forget, villains that you think. Don't forget Rafe Spall playing. The Ra- Ra- oh, Rafe Spall's the, in the this Rafe Spall character again. As, yeah, I feel and, so sorry for that guy because he just gets. And there's a part of him, the, the part of his character in this that I was like, he's going to be the guy that figures this is figures this all out. He's going to be the guy that is going to have to be is like the smarmy wanker 
who actually figures it out and then turns around and something happens to him because he's figured it out and then he gets the message out to H who's then like, oh, I should have believed this guy and I should have been less of a jock. Yeah. But no, like he's just in it and the only sort of turnaround that he gets is right at the end when they go, yeah, he thought you'd be quite good as well. What's he got to fucking do with it? He's just been a knob to everyone that yeah, works. I think, and also, he's not experienced. He should, he should have been... Yeah, the, the ending, it should have been Chris M. It should have been H declining and saying, no, it should be him. Yeah. And then, and he should have taken it. And that would have been showing humility to this guy who's been a fucking arrogant piece of shit throughout the whole movie. Yeah. And it's basically the same character arc he had in the first Thor movie, essentially. Or, but or, or not even it. that, but like the the fact that he... His turnaround point is when they're walking it to a garage because they need to do their next bit of product placement for the Lexus that was in this film 5,000 times. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love cars, but if I see that Lexus again, I'm going to punch the driver in the face. Be like, Fuck you! I'm fed up of seeing this fucking car and everything. But anyway, but then that's like, there's an extent of the turnaround of H in that. Yeah. When he starts to say he's the most decorated agent we've ever had in ML in, yeah. in MIB, and that, and that's then, what he says. He goes, "Yeah, like if you, if no one if people found out he was corrupt, it would destroy the whole agency. If anyone's going to go down for it, tell him it was me." Yeah, that's good. And that, yeah, again, like but it again, comes too late. It's that's like, that's a really clever line. That's a really interesting line until you analyze it because they say, "Well, what if you fail?" Oh, then tell him it was me. Well, we can't because. Everyone's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I what can't if I fail and they use this gun to blow up our entire planet? Tell them it was my fault. Tell who it was your fault. Was that, was that the idea? Were they going to use the gun to blow up the whole planet? Well, yeah, they said, the oh, we, we needed this weapon. The only weapon that could stop us is this. And now we've got it. We can use it to take on anything, starting with this planet. Is that what they said? I don't, at that point, I checked out. To be honest, I wasn't really. So that is that what the hive were after? Was it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Good for them. Brilliant. Well done, yeah. hive. I, I mean, yeah. It was yeah. I and that's the thing. Like I'm Tessa Thompson, Chris Hemsworth, Emma Thompson, Rafe Spall, all deserve much better than this. They really do, and like. Liam Neeson's kind of made his niche now where he's an angry old man beating up young men. And you're like, okay, that's you don't deserve any better than this anymore. You've just found your niche. And you, can you say that, but that, that can, can still be good, though. That. Like, you can't... I don't think you can put this... Although it's like largely you could say it's the same character, I don't think you can put what he does in this up there with like what he did in Batman Begins. No, or Taken. The original Taken. Yeah, but take like... Even that, I think the the mentor sort of role mm-hmm. in these sort of films, like he, like he had in Batman Begins, can be done very very well. And Batman Begins is a good example of that. Yeah, this is an example of how not to do that. Whereas Taken, and then you got Nonstop and un, what was it Unknown Passenger and, and Passenger, Unknown, and... just like all those like old man fighting movie where he's yeah, the yeah. star. Yeah, do you exactly. know what I mean? So there's a couple of different strings. Middle aged fantasy films. Yeah. Um but this is. Of the mental type roles that he's done, this yeah. is not a good one. And no, it's not at all. And like he was great in Batman Begins. Yeah. And as I know, people get really cross at me when I say about it, but I still maintain that Batman Begins is my favourite one out of the Nolan trilogy. Yeah, it's arguably, it's arguably, arguably the strongest. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the problem. That, yeah, that, that's something else we we'll have to talk that's about. Time. We'll talk about it in the, when the next Batman film comes out. But. Yeah, it's just a fucking empty film to me. It just felt just the most... It felt like watching Men in Black 2 again. And it felt... I don't think it's quite as bad as Men in Black 2. Not quite. It's not much different. There's barely, There's not a lot in it. but it No, just... there's not much in it. But at the same time, I think... It was just, it was just so empty. Yeah. It just felt like a husk of a film. It felt like... It was an exercise in box ticking that led to nothing. Which is funny because they make a joke about box ticking. They do. <laughs> That's very good. And they also make a joke about men and women in black. And then they do a big thumbs up, which kind of undercuts the joke. Yeah. 
well, not not. Well, it doesn't even. It's it kind of undercuts the statement by making it a joke. And like there was a point in like X Men, like we said last week, and Mystique says it should be X Women, which is a film that I'd really like to see. I'd really like to see all the X Women doing their own film. But yeah, yeah, shut up, Mystique, because it was Nightcrawler that did it. Teleporty boy. You just sat in a chair, told people off. But in this, they make a point about it, and you think, right, we're going to get to this in this film. They're going to address it, and they don't. Yeah, and the it... only point they do address it, Chris Hemsworth says, we're the men in black, the men and women in black. Well, no, because... Turns they... around, two well, thumbs up, big cheesy grin. Well, I don't know, because there's the bit right right towards the very beginning with Emma Thompson explaining it as well, isn't she? Yeah. She says to... to um to Emma Thompson, there's so many Thompsons. Te- Emma Thompson explains to Tessa Thompson and says, "Look, I've been trying. Don't get me started. I've been trying. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what excuse she makes now. It's like it's some sort of. It's like a tradition or it's something. A, it's some sort of tradition. which is a funny joke. And I saw Emma Thompson in Late Night at the weekend. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, and there are really, really good jokes in that oh. about men saying and doing stupid fucking things about women in showbiz and comedy and film. In this, they make that joke as if they've gone, yeah, I've made that joke, but I've made that before, I've said it, and they won't change it. And then just look blankly down the, down the camera. Yeah. I think it just it needed some fresh like behind the camera people as well. I think that it was great to get the cast out. I think that, yeah, Tess Thompson and, and Chris Hemsworth is a good, when you see that on paper, mm-hmm. they go, they're rebooting men of that with those two. You're like, fucking awesome. Bring it on. But then I feel like you need to have the similar change behind the scenes. Cause it was F Gary Gray directed this. Yeah. And he's the guy who's directed like, I'm sure he's directed some of the fast and furious movies and like sort of, and I think, didn't he do, no, hang on. Um, so did Fate of the Furious, yeah. Straight Out of Compton, The Italian Job, Friday, Law Abiding Citizen, A Man Apart. So there's a this is a big mixed bag in here. Yeah, well, I mean he directed the Negotiator in 1998. I love that film. <laughs> he also directed Be Cool. Yeah, I mean that is a bit of a mixed bag. I'll give him that. But like, I feel like for something like this, that's a franchise reboot. You really should have gone with someone a bit more. I think genuinely, although I know it's like a bit of a cliche to say it because it's Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth again, but Taika Waititi could have done a great job on this. Yeah. In terms of mixing that action spectacle and comedy, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you want from Men in Black, and have that visual sort of flair to it. Yeah. He would have been great. He could have done a great film. I mean, that's the thing. Like, get somebody that can understand things, not just go. It's a film about people wearing suits and there's aliens. Hmm. They got shiny guns, which yeah, is that, which is that whole thing. One introduced us to that world. It took it seriously. It understood it. It put it out in a way where you go, "That's good." And then there's a bit of a twist at the end when he says, "Not training a partner, training my replacement." And you go, "That is really clever." Two is a big old guff. Three again has a point. You know, it's about making things more emotional. It's about taking Tommy Lee Jones and they get to that emotional bit at the end as well. Yeah, but why does Tommy Lee Jones have a different love interest in every movie? Doesn't that? Did he have one in two? Yeah, because it turns out in two, um, Rosario Dawson was his daughter. And that was a whole, like, forgotten love story (laughs) in amongst it, remember? Yeah. So that was one thing. Then he had a whole thing with O. And then on top of all that, he had a wife that he then went back to at the end of Men in Black 1. Yeah, having been in a coma for thirty-five years, but that yeah. wasn't the same. That was, but that yeah. wasn't the same woman that he had the daughter with. Nope. That's a different woman. So basically, what the entire Men in Black original trilogy tells you is that K was a dog. <laughs> K, 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 K was an absolute. K has, a, has, has definite problems. Yes, serious intimacy issues. They yes. should can seek professional help. Serious for. <laughs> professional help. That like, that's the big takeaway from the original Men in Black trilogy. So forget all the alien shit. 
Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it's true. I had well, that partly that occurred to me in two when I was like, "Oh, O is his true love." Is she? Uh, because yeah. of his wife, and then they were like, "Oh, oh just... no, that's why you left your wife, or that's why she left you," was because you really like the stars. Okay. And that's what two did to fuck it. And yeah. then he fucked an alien and had Rosario Dawson as his daughter. And then she went off into space, but he didn't really care that much. Apparently Will Smith was sadder about it. But yeah. Um, but what But what they should have done with four mm. is have something like... And this isn't this isn't like any sort of weird way of putting it. Why not do something different with it that isn't just the same thing. Yeah. Like, why not do like an Ocean's 8 with it? Why not have all of them be women? And why not have them that be the continuing byline joke throughout it is it's, oh, we're going to put this woman with this, you know, because she's a woman. And, you know, the women get on. Mm. And I was like, I'm sending you over there because I just can't keep dealing with this stuff all the time. And or just have something that focuses on something different, other than just an, a meaningless script, which is just jumbles of words, which make no sense overall. Yeah, they just they the mean, most exciting threat throughout that film gets zapped away, but because then they say, "Oh, it's uh, electric." There's there's always a bigger gun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh fuck's sake! That was a really interesting threat because you just can't kill it. You can. You just need a bigger battery. Yeah. They were the, the twins from the, I didn't realise the twins from the Matrix Reloaded were going to come back, but here we are. Apparently, it's two thousand three again. Um, but yeah. Anyway, speaking of the Matrix, in July they're going to bring that out in four K at that cinema that we went to. So okay, we might we have to do going to have to do that. I never saw it in the cinema. Obviously. Didn't you? Well, no, I was eight. Oh, <laughs> I think I saw it in the cinema. I don't remember. Anyway, um, Men, in, yeah, Black, anyway, Men, Men in, Black, in Black International, not, not even once. No, don't go and see it as guff. I thought it was meh at first. The more I think about it, the more I think it's guff. Uh, everyone deserved better. And I'm just glad somebody got paid. Yeah, I mean, like, it might be one of those where, because, I, I mean, what we'll say is I've read originally, originally that it wasn't going to, it's projected not to do particularly well, the box mm. office wise. But that cinema we were in was pretty packed. Yeah, it was pretty busy for a Friday night, like opening night, basically is what that was, and it was pretty. You know, it looked all right, so it might do all right financially. If it does, I just hope that they, because I originally, I think they've planned it. They or they're all signed on for a trilogy because everything's a fucking trilogy. So they've got the idea is that they're meant to have these two as the leads of the new franchise and continue it on. What I would hope is, like I say, they get some a director behind the camera next time round who can use that cast to their full potential because they've got it. There's a nugget of something good there and they just need to mine yeah. it out, but they didn't find it in this one. They just, they, no. every now and then you can see little glimpses of it and it just remind. it's just, a, it's just, it's one of those things is it reminds is all that sort of wasted potential when you get good cast yeah. in crap material. Yeah. It's the same, like the same way I feel about like Ben Affleck as Batman is like, mm-hmm. he could have been great, but you yeah. keep putting him in shit movies. And it's, and it's yeah, the same a with lot these. of, a lot of the DC stuff. Yeah, and, it's, and this is kind of like that again. It's you've got a great property and great actors to deliver it, but you just if you can't get the script together and you can't get the direction right, then it all falls apart. Yeah, and yeah, I'd feel the same way. In fact, I was about to say I feel the same way about this that I did with Glass. Glass annoyed me more than oh, yeah. this. This one, I just I got about three quarters of the way through, and I was just like, well, I don't care. No. I went to the and I went to the bathroom in this film. I had a bit of a bad time. I went to the bathroom and I was like, I came back. And I was like, oh, I'm not even going to bother asking. No, I don't d- care. He jumped. I remember because yeah, you went. I was thinking right. I'm going to have to fill him in on all this. And as it was going, I was like, do you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. None like, of it mattered because it's like it, okay, they're here now. They just are. Just just go with it. Like just, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like they've jumped to several different locations in the time. And like, do you know what? It doesn't fucking matter. Just whatever. <laughs> yeah. And what they mean by Men in Black International is New York, London, Paris, Marrakesh. Yes. So uh, Naples. Oh, yeah, Naples. So it was fairly international. Mm. 
but at the same time, yeah, it's could have been more exciting. We could have done a lot better. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay, fair enough. You know what we're going to talk about next, though. Yeah, next is going to be a good one. It should bring, it should bring us up. Yes. Um, next, we're going to talk about Toy Story. Toy Stories. So we're hopefully going to be able to get around to watching all the Toy Stories, and then we're going to watch Toy Story Four. It's very similar in the sort of format that we've done this week. But Toy Story Four is coming out next week. Mm-hmm. Seeing a couple of trailers, they're at, they seem to be cl- playing it quite close to the vest. I feel like even in mm. the trailers. There's a lot of sort of weird dubbing and stuff going on. Well, not dubbing, but using lines out of place with the footage. Yeah. So it doesn't quite sync up. So I feel like there's a lot about it we don't know. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Originally, I was sort of sceptical, like, three was perfect. Why would you make another one? But That's still how I feel, to be honest. But I have faith in Pixar. Yeah. And I have... Because I had the same thought when they made, were making three, because three came out, like, ten years after two. I was like, oh, they've run out of ideas. Why are they making a third one? And then the third one came out, and Toy Story 3 is fucking amazing. Yeah, Toy Story um, 3 is, is that's why I have an issue with this, is because I'm like, Toy Story 3 had pretty much the perfect ending. Yeah. I think they know that, though. That's the thing. I feel like they wouldn't. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I have, in a similar way to the way I feel about Marvel, I have such faith in them as a studio yeah. and in creators that I will go in hoping that and sort of expecting it to justify itself yeah. and be good. It could be proven wrong, but mm-hmm. I hope not. But anyway, that's what we're talking about next week. So Toy Story, complete change of pace. Mm-hmm. If you get a chance, watch them this week and we'll talk about the whole series Yeah, uh, next week. I'll have fun with it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, tune in next week to listen to that. And if you want to find us on socials, we're The Omcast on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and if you want to drop us an email it's theomcostpod at gmail.com yep um, yeah it kind of sort of wraps up this week we've it's a longer episode as we would have intended normally as one of these reviews but we didn't have time to do a full grand rewatch of all the men in blacks no I feel like they yeah they we've talked a decent amount about the old movies and they deserve to be talked about more than they do. this new one quite yeah. frankly yeah absolutely because <laughs> as it stands at the moment there's a 50-50 of good to bad, um, one being great, two being bad, three being good, four being bad. Yep. So yeah, see what we think about Toy Story next week, and if it's it's not going to be anything. The Toy Story films are great. Yeah, it's the, great. they're three for three so far, aren't they? Yeah, so it's... they're all bangers. Anyway, right. Yeah, Thanks, yeah, guys. That's about it. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Today we watched Men in Black. Blah, 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 blah. Oh shit. <laughs>